This is the Cardboard Cave Podcast. Also known as JP, and I will be joined by my co-host, me. There you go, <laughs> the king of the goblins. How's it going, my dude? How's it going? I'm joined by Chris. Uh, we were going to have a commander night, but a little few technical and also physical. You know, our uh, life life happens, and we can't do the commander night. But we're gonna cover a few of the things, few news and uh, more Brothers War content. So, uh, I feel like maybe we should start with the news, because I feel like that's a bit more impactful. All right, I guess we we will. Uh, Part of uh, what we found, or I I guess uh, I was uh, checking out this week, was the fact that the OG Duel Lands dropped in price. This came to us via MTG Rocks. browsing the site earlier, and I stumbled upon this wonderful article. Uh, MTG's best dual lands plummet by 50% due to player outrage? Question mark. Now, long story short, you can always go to go to go to the article and read it yourself. But um, ever since that the uh, the 30th anniversary thing was announced, you know the uh, the glorified proxy set. Well, not even glorified, just straight up proxies, right? We've already discussed this. Um, people started panic selling their uh, their dual lands, and they have tanked up to like a fifty percent. So we're talking about like stuff like Underground Sea uh, being at a price point of like seven hundred, eight hundred bucks, and then people started selling it at somewhere between five hundred, four hundred bucks, as you can see, like in some of the images here, right? Same thing goes for Tundra, which is now selling for around uh, four hundred, and you can get a damage one for like around two hundred bucks, which is a huge price decrease. Um, and then it says, it does mention over here that there's an exception to the rule, which is Volcanic Island, which I was kind of surprised about, to be honest, um, which was basically unaffected by the, by the price drop. Um, it, it says that it only dropped 200 bucks, which again is a pretty significant price drop either way, but it's not a 50% uh, price drop uh, as it did happen with, with some of the other lands. Now... I guess this this just really uh, solidifies what we've talked about before here in the podcast. It's like you know that this is going to have the, what they did with Magic with the Magic thirtieth anniversary um, proxy bundle is just something that is going to have effects on the game that Wizards didn't expect, and even the community just didn't expect. Even with the announcement, like I, I didn't expect Cool Lands to drop by fifty percent. That's that sounds insane to me. Um, so this is. This definitely came as a surprise. I don't know if you got something to say about it, JP. Uh, I saw the article, and uh, one of the things they mentioned is that uh, basically there's no easy money to be made with old Magic cards anymore. Uh, the, like the, a lot of the industries in just general in the world are coming back to a more normal state, and uh, like when the chips uh, there's a chip sorted in the entire world all the chips uh, skyrocketed in price and uh, those people that actually had th- those chips made massive profits now if uh, now those type of companies are just like slowly getting back to what normal is and during the pandemic all, all, all of these things 
just skyrocketed. Uh, and technically a bit before the pandemic, but it's like basically during the pandemic, everything just skyrocketed. And now that everything's just kind of slowly, for the most part, coming back uh, to, to normal, the prices are like going down. So uh, this in addition to the to the 30 proxy set, the Magic 30 proxy set is uh, one of the reasons why I feel like everything just kind of plummeted down. Uh, would, would you say that this is like a perfect time to buy a lot of these like luxury like cards? If you want them, then yes. But you know, it's still a lot of money. It's still mm. a massive amount of money, and honestly. And they don't warp the game as easily as something like a fetch land can. Mm -hmm. So it's it's just like you say, it's a luxury. It's a luxury to have these, but it's not necessary. So would you say like definitely buy uh, fetch lands over buying the dual lands in this case? Yes, the fetch lands are still very much cheap. Mm hmm. Definitely, in comparison to like, you know, the, the prices, you know, talking about like $400, $500 for a land while you can no, just it's like, spend that oh, same amount on a full set of fetch lands, you know. This, is, this card used to be $800, now it's $400. I might might as well buy, buy one, is like, no. <laughs> At $400, I, 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 it's so much money. I do feel like if, if you have the, you know, if you have the resources, I do think that it's quote unquote a steal in the sense that these are, these are things that are going to go back up in price because again, regardless of how you look at it, the Magic 30 lands are still not tournament legal. So it's not like you can do much with them anyway. So if you're the kind of person who has the funds and has, and has like, you know, the people to play like Legacy or other, or like, you know, really high level commander in which it's actually kind of worth getting these lands um whereas a collector's item i'd say go ahead but definitely yeah same same page just you're better off just buying a full set of fetch lands than just buying a single dual land you're just gonna have more functionality out of it in general speaking of uh if some of you guys are just more like in you know the budget section um there's, there's one thing I can definitely recommend. As you know, back in Dominar and the Dominaria United set, we got like these dual lands that enter the battlefield tapped. And I think that a great solution, if you if you want to look for some mana fixing, is altar sleeves. Um, you could just probably get one of those uh, one of those uh, new enter tapped dual lands, put a volcanic island skin on it, make it look all pretty, and just hey, you know, it's just a proxy that you're going to use to be playing with your friends. So great idea. Also, you can make. All of your other commander decks look freaking amazing. Uh, you know, just get some some really cool like Bola Citadel altars. You can actually see uh, Thrasios altar up in the top right corner, if I'm not mistaken. Is that Thrasios or is that a Pumena? Is that Thrasios or Pumena? It looks more like Pumena. You're right. But point is, you can make your decks look freaking awesome. And you can also use our uh, our link uh, our, from our link tree, or use uh, cardboard cave MTG code. That way, uh, you can get yourself a discount. That'll also help us a lot, so we can keep bringing you guys some quality content. Now, moving on uh, to the next thing that we came here to talk about, those Brothers Wars decks. Yeah. The Brothers War Commander decks. Now, 
I'm probably one of those guys who I would love to buy both, obviously, but I am most definitely going to try to get my hands on Urza's Iron Alliance. We obviously start off with Urza Chief Artificer, which uh, you can get the tiny image over here. We've already seen this card before more than a few times. It's freaking amazing. It's a three-colored Urza. And I think it's really fun because it still gives you the ability to like, like the colors give you the ability to do lots of fun stuff within artifacts in general. Uh, be able to search up like a lot of the stuff that you need using black. Uh, blue has a lot of really useful tools in general for, for, for like artifacts, you know, being, being able to reduce costs and stuff like that. Um, and white is just, it's just, you know, the, like the stacks element of it. So that's just from the perspective of like, um, you know, trying to build a deck uh, based off of Urza Chief Artificer rather than actually going with, uh, like, playing the deck in itself. I think it's really cool. I mean, it gives artifact creatures to control menace, and it has affinity for artifacts, so it's definitely something like, you know, you'll start off with something like a Soul Ring, maybe a, uh, you have, like, a really good start, right? So, like, a Soul Ring and, um, what's it called? Uh, an arcane signet and then you'll probably be able to have Urza chief artifice or a six mana cost commander coming down in like turn two or three which i think is freaking great uh baleful strix is in there for some card draw you got ethereum spell trick because you, you obviously need that artifact cost reduction another thing that i really like about it is that we're going to see a lot of cards in retro frame i'm not sure if the entire deck is in retro the frame, entire deck okay, the, entire, the entirety amazing. of the deck is in a retro frame art Ooh, I'm actually very excited about that. We got Scholar of New Horizons, which is one of those new cards that's getting printed in there. Uh, Sanwell of Andres is also Ooh, new. Sanwell, which, which one is that? I don't know. I, don't know. I haven't seen that one. <laughs> uh, oh, we got Tano Solemn Survivor, which we talked about in the one of the previous episodes. I also think it's a freaking amazing card. Uh, Red Hunter is a new card. New. Okay, so it's, it says... It's, it's a pretty strong mm -hmm. card, if I'm not mistaken. Comes down uh, for two black, he has flash, enters the battlefield, choose target player, you create a tapped power stone, to power stone token for each non-land card in that player's graveyard that was put there from the battlefield this turn. I think that's pretty interesting. I mean, maybe like they'll put it down after a board wipe, or maybe if someone's playing a sacrifice deck. This this deck has one, two, I think it has like three board wipes. Interesting. That, that seems pretty standard for like you know any any deck that uh, that's looking to just kind of be creature heavy and then just kind of run board wipes in general. I kind of make it a general rule to just run around three board wipes yeah, in my decks because it, three, it doesn't feel like, like too much or too little. Perfect. Yeah, three is like the perfect number for me. All right, this guy also seems new. That's Lashiel Flockwork Scholar. Prevent no, uh, he was Scholar. first. Yeah, no, he was he was first uh, from the Osgir re re Reconstructor deck. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. He's a pretty That's good, he's, cool. a, he's also pretty good. He, he gives white card draw. Psymaster Thopter is just being a, you know, look for again. Hey, look at Orengo. Yeah. <laughs> always, always, it's like, it's just him. Uh, a reprint of Alela Master... Uh, Master Provocateur. Artful Provocateur. Filigree Attendant, Nominal Archangel, Psalmist and Lacrum, Teshars and Sisters, Apostle, the Dalkin Humiliator. I think this is also a. It's a reprint as well. It's a reprint. Uh, I think the new card is a Hexavus. 
Yes. Uh, and choose a battlefield with six plus one plus one counters on it. You can remove one to put a flying counter on another target creature. I think that's really interesting. The fact that it just puts flying counters on things instead of giving something flying until the end of the turn. Yeah. I think it's a pretty good example. Maybe not exactly an example of power creep, but definitely something that's much more impactful than just giving it flying until the end of turn. Because um, you don't have to like keep investing in making that creature flying. It just gains flying as long as it has the counter. Yeah. Uh, marionette master, so you can start comboing off uh, if you have the. Uh, I forgot the name of the card right now, but you know which one I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, you got Noxious Gearhold, a Sharding Sphinx, Sharoom the Hegemon, uh, Shimmer Dragon, Steel Hellkite, Wire Surgeons, which is a new card. Ooh, so each, that yeah, each artifact yeah, feature in your graveyard has a Encore, and its Encore cost is equal to its mana cost. So Encore is you exile it from your graveyard, create that uh, a token for each opponent you have, and they gain haste. Mm -hmm. And you have to uh, sacrifice them at the beginning of the next end step. Uh, Angel Ruins is, is, a, is, a, is a reprint, Mere Battle Sphere, and Thought Monitor. Uh, in terms of spells, we get Preordained, Sword uh, Plowshares, D-Spark, March of Progress was a new card. It says, choose target artifact creature you control for each creature chosen this way. Create a token that's a copy, and it has Overlord, over, Overload for 7. That's actually a really interesting card. That's potentially a win con, especially in a deck like, uh, what's it called, like Bruticlad? Yes. This would be insane. Uh, Sphinx's Revelation, which with new art, look at that art. Yeah. Whoa, that art is trippy. Yeah, I have, like, I, I think, I guess the face in the background is supposed to be the Sphinx, but it doesn't even look like a Sphinx. It just looks amazing in general, though. Yeah. One with the machine, Urza's Rune Blast. Austere Command and Phyrexian Rebirth. This deck is just mostly focused on the artifact creatures, but we do have just normal artifacts like Relic of Progenitus, a Skull Clamp, Soul Ring, Arcane Signet, Azorius Signet, Cranial Plating, Demir Signet, Kayla's Music Box, which is a new card. I'm pretty sure we covered it, but uh, yes. I really like this card. Uh, so, what, what it does is you pay its two mana art legendary artifact pay one white and tap it you look at the top card of your library and then you exile it face down and the second ability is you can tap the the, the music box and play cards from the exile uh, this brings a little and orzov signet swift food boots thought vessel and thopter shop which is a new card if i'm not mistaken whenever one or more artifact creatures you control die draw a card this ability triggers only once each turn and you can make a 1-1 one, one color stopter artifact creature token with fly. I'm actually really sad that it's two in a white and not two in a black because this would have been amazing for Necrons. <laughs> would have been insane for the Necron deck. Yeah. So, then we have enchantments for Tempered Steel, Biden of Thassa, and Thopter Spy Network. Can we talk about how pretty that Biden of Thassa looks though? Like that art? Yes. Oh man, that's like one of the coolest Thassa arts I've seen, that, like, that I actually really, really like. And then we have the lands. Uh, the, la the mana base on, on these decks is decent. Uh, one of the primary things is, of course, everything is like the retro frame. 
so uh, a lot of these cards are getting that treatment for the first time and uh, for the most part uh, it's a good mana base it's a good it's it, it's a it's a pretty decent mana base uh, I, I feel like the mana base won't have you starving for colors maybe just starving for like you know the fact that there's a lot of lands that enter tapped but that's kind of expected from a free cons illustrating to the extent yeah uh, I'll reserve my comments on both decks until we cover the next deck but sure. uh, I have opinions on this deck <laughs> on the Urza deck or you mean the, the Mishra the Urza deck? deck yeah the, no the Urza deck alright Let's move on to Mishra's Burnished Banner. Starting off with Mishra, an eminent one, of being the face commander. At the beginning of combat on your turn, create a token that's a copy of target non creature artifact you control, except its name is Mishra's Warform, and it's a 4 4 construct artifact creature. In addition to its other types, it gains haste until the end of the turn, sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. Um, fun things that you can do with this off the top of my head, anything that would end your turn, uh, that one, I think it's a, it's a Grixis, uh, kind of like a goblin, right? The one that, uh, ends your turn? Yeah, no, she's, a, she's, she is Grixis, but she's, uh, an ogre. Oh, my Obeka. bad. Yeah, Obeka. Yeah. So, Obeka, something like Obeka, or, uh, I forgot the, the name of the other one, something... Sundial of the Infinite. Sundial of the Infinite, there we go. Uh, really good cards to just kind of, you know, start getting, uh, being, being able to keep those tokens that you make on uh, on the battlefield, not to mention that it's creating, like, you know, this this gets by the legendary rule by simply making it another object in general. So this, I find Mishra really exciting. I want Urza because it's Urza, but Mishra is honestly the more exciting of the two, at least the face commanders in my opinion. So we got Slow Bad Goblin. The saddest, the saddest goblin in all of magic history. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Audacious Reshapers. Emery, Lurker of the Lock. Fane, the Broker. Fareed, Enterprising Salvager, which is a new card. It says whenever a non-token artifact you control is put into the graveyard from the battlefield, create a colorless artifact token named Scrap. You can pay one and a red to sacrifice an artifact and choose one. Put a plus one plus one counter on Fareed and it gains Menace until the turn. You can go target creature, or you can discard a card and draw a card. I actually like Fareed a lot. Yeah. I, I like that he kind of feeds himself, essentially, by just creating the scrap tokens. Like, whenever something dies, you can just keep sacrificing the scrap tokens to his ability, which I assume was the whole point in designing yeah. the card, but it's just really cool. And we have a reprint of Muzio, Visionary Architect. Uh, Silas Ren, Seeker Adept. Glint Raker, which is a new card. Uh, three in a blue. Future Drake, one three flying. Glint, uh, Glint, Rake, uh, Glint, Glint Raker gets plus X plus zero, where X is the highest mana value among artifacts you control. And whenever it deals combat damage, you may reveal that many cards from the top of your library. Put an artifact revealed this way into your hand and the rest into the bottom. I'm so, I'm so dis- oh, ooh, that's that's actually not bad. Yeah. I thought it, I, th- I also thought it was just gonna like say to the bottom, and I'm actually surprised that it's so it's that it tends to the graveyard. I'm a little bit disappointed that it doesn't put it onto the battlefield, but maybe that'd be a little bit too much. Yeah. Uh, Joy Ra, whether like Captain, 
because of course you can't you can't have a deck that has blue and red in it and artifacts without a joy ruffling like a joy rub creature in it then we have master transmuter Padim, console of innovation traxus scourge of krug ashnot the uncaring which is a new card uh, i'm pretty sure i've talked about ashnot way too much baby girl you mentioned broody clad and there's a broody cat broody clad in this deck interesting i did not know that that actually caught me by surprise like a lot of the other cards i was just like yeah that's uh, i'm pretty sure that was in there but broody clad actually caught me by surprise here that's really cool that's really good so then we have geth lord of the vault scavenged brawler hulkag igniter herald of anguish workshop elders so a uh, scavenged brawler is also a new card uh, it has flying vigilance trample lifelink and you can exile it from their graveyard to give it a creature uh four plus one counters and flying counter vigilance counter trample counter and lightning counter oh, wait, so, which, one, which one was that Hold on. scavenged brawler scavenged brawler i actually don't see him here oh there he is oh i thought i thought he was a he was a reaper and he kind of looked like another no. like another card uh, and workshop elders cool. is a new card as well artifact i, I, do, I do just want to like mention that you can only activate that ability as a sorcery so it's not as exciting as it should be but yeah. it's cool. At the beginning of your combat on your turn, you may have target non-creature artifact you control become a 0-0 artifact creature if you do put four, 4 plus 1 counters on it. For 7 mana, it's a bit eh, but yeah. yeah I mean, you're giving artifact creatures you control flying, but are you really going to be making enough artifact creatures to justify like 7 mana? I don't know. Uh, Blast Furnace Hellkite is cool shit. It has artifact offering so it has the offering mechanic introduced in kamigawa original kamigawa and so you sacrifice uh, you can cast it as, as though it had flash by sacrificing an artifact and paying the mana difference so if i sacrifice something from uh, five mana then i can just pay four mana for this insane to be honest and it says flying double strike creatures attacking your opponents have double strike which I think is really exciting, just in case, like, you know, some of the, some of the listeners or viewers haven't caught on. This means that anyone attacking your opponents is gonna, the creatures is gonna gain double strike. So that's not just you, but that's also the Jetmir that's playing across the table, and that's also, like, the other guy playing on the other side, which I think just makes really fun, like, everyone tries to smack everybody to death situations while kind of, like, easy, while making yourself easy to ignore at times. Because, oh, he's giving me double strike, let me not smack his face. Then we have uh, Metalwork Colossus as the last uh, creature. This deck is a bit more heavy on the on the no, on the non-creature spells. So we have Faithless Looting, Abrade, Expressive Iteration, Feet the Swarm, Bedevil, Chaos Warp, Thirst for Knowledge, Factor Fiction, Thoughtcast, Blasphemous Act, and the new card being Terrasayers Devastation. It's X two black and double black, so uh, X and four mana. Uh, you lose X life and create X tap power stone tokens. Then all creatures get minus one, minus one for each artifact you control. That's a really fun white man. That's, you can pay four mana and good. it's negative one, negative one for each creature. Sorry, for each artifact you control. Mm -hmm. The X is just anything uh, additional you want to pay. Yep. Uh, then yep, we have the artifacts. Good. 
at Executioner's Capsule, Nihil Spell Bomb, Soul, Soul Ring, Wafer's Bobble, Arcane Signet, Demir Signet, Felwar Stone, Iker Wellspring, Idol of Oblivion, Mindstone, Mnemonic Sphere, Mycosynth Wellspring, Oni Cult Anvil, Pros Prophetic Prism, Racto Signet, Servo Schematic, Stryonic Resonator, which is a pretty damn cool art, yeah. Commander Sphere, Curse Totem, Oblivion Stone, uh, Oblivion Stone, which is pretty interesting as another board wipe. Hedron Archive, Lithoform Engine as another a way to copy triggered abilities. Machines God's Evigy. This is a new card. It's four mana. As a fact, you may have it enter as a copy of any creature on the battlefield, except it has it's an artifact in addition and has tap add blue. Actually, this just turns it into an artifact. It just gains the... It, it enters as a copy of a creature, except it's just an artifact. Mm -hmm. It's not a creature. That's kind of insane, not gonna lie. And we have my... I think this... Other than Astronaut the Uncaring, I think this is my favorite card of, uh, of, the, of the entire commander. Uh, Smoking Bat? Yeah. So it's four mana, an artifact, and you pay one mana to tap it and sacrifice another artifact. Reveal the top eight cards of your library. Put up to two non-creature artifact cards with total mana value less than or equal to the sacrifice artifacts mana value from among them onto the battlefield and the rest in the bottom of your library in a random order. So if I sacrifice an Icor Wellspring, which is two mana, I can look at the top eight cards and put a zero mana artifact and a two mana artifact, or a one mana artifact and a one mana artifact. Mm -hmm. The reason I like this so much is because with Ashnod the Uncaring in the deck, you could do that twice. Mm -hmm. So you sacrifice one artifact and potentially get four. Mm -hmm. So that's really good. That like at worst you get two, and in like a like a in a really value generating scenario you get four. So this is yeah. really good. Uh, then we have Thran Dynamo Trading Post Mirror Works, which is an interesting reprint. Dreamstone Hedron, Spine of Ishsa, and World Wondrous Crucible, which is another new card. Permanence you control have Ward two. At the beginning of your end step. Mill two cards, then exile a non-land card from at random from your graveyard. Copy it. Cast the copy without paying the mana cost. Mm -hmm. And then we have the lands. We're kind of looking at basically the same thing we were looking at with the uh, with the Urza deck, at least in terms of the lands, but. In terms of the contents of the deck, I think there is a glaring difference. <laughs> what what do, you, what do you feel is better? Uh, I feel like I just, in general, there's just more value, like in the in, in Vicious deck. It's, it just seems like a better deck, to be honest. So I disagree, in a way. Really? Okay. So I feel I feel like Urza, uh, Urza's Iron Alliance, the deck is better built. Okay. The deck the deck out of the box will be better built in my opinion it is better built in my opinion mm -hmm. but the, but mishra has power cards yeah you get broody clad yeah 
you get like six mana, seven mana, eight mana, eleven mana. You know, mm -hmm. you get big beefy stuff and a lot of like utility stuff. Meanwhile, in uh, Urza's deck, you get a bit more streamlined. Mm -hmm. You want a lot of artifact creatures that runs 36 creatures. Yeah. A lot of the pieces synergize with themselves. I'm, I'm like Biden of Thassa, Thopter Spy Network. We're gonna draw you uh, uh, enough cards. Kayla's Music Box is gonna draw you cards. Belfold Strix is gonna draw you cards. Uh, in a way, Tano Psalm Survivor can give you cards. Sai Master Thopters can give you cards. Low Shield draws you cards. Like, there's so much card draw in Urza's Iron Alliance that, and like, it, it brings Sphinx's Revelation as well. There's so much good card draw in addition to the three good board wipes and the, the more focused theme on artifact creatures. I feel like Mishra said, oh, wait, I want to make copies of uh, artifacts. So let's just have cool, big, beefy artifacts, which is cool, but you need them in play to, to like, you know, to really get any value out of them. To get value out of them. So you have to by, get them by, in play by the time you can get your big stuff in play, Walter's deck can probably smack the little crap out of you. Yes. Like down to 20 life by the time you're like doing something. Uh, I feel like the, the, the Mishra deck is stronger when like out of the two out of two of them mishra will be stronger if you build around him mm -hmm. but the deck out of the box the urza one is stronger yeah i see what you mean I, I guess i'm just like more focused on like all the potential that like a lot of these cards have more than focused on like what the deck looks like out of the box i suppose because yeah. you know, automatically, like I'm looking, I look, I'm looking at Mishra, I'm looking at Ashnod, um, Rudy Clad is freaking insane, but I, yeah, like the mana costs are worth are, are freaking huge. Like literally, half of the creatures are are basically just like more than four four converted mana costs and above. It does bring a decent amount of RAM, but I don't think it's enough. Hmm. It might be, I might be wrong, but it brings a lot of beefy, strong artifacts. That's for sure. Like, I feel, I feel like in a certain way, um, the way the decks are built just kind of represent the two uh, brothers really well in the, in the fact that Mishra, at least at the beginning, when you, when you kind of read through the story, uh, Mishra definitely had a slower start than Urza. Like, Urza automatically seemed like this, like, amazing prodigy making like you know he was the one who discovered the caves of Kolios essentially and discovered like the location of uh of the power stones um meanwhile mishra was always like a bit more brash but definitely gained like a lot more power as he grew as he grew so i they just kind of going into like the fact that like the later you get into the game with the mishra deck and you start dropping like more powerful and scary stuff um like, you know, the more, the more dangerous it just gets, right? Which, again, just really represents the story really well in the case that, like, at the at the beginning, like, Mishra was very... I mean, uh, Urza was, like, very dismissive of Mishra, always seeing him as someone who was like, you know, you're like my brother, you're my baby brother, you're kind of, like, below me, so, eh, whatever. Then suddenly Mishra just starts, you know, climbing up in the world and making these powerful machines and, you know, he eventually secretly uh, gets in league with Phyrexia and becomes 
a very scary, scary opponent to Mishra. So I think uh, to Urza, I mean. So I think that's uh, that that kind that kind of like that about the two decks. They just uh, they really embody like the two uh, the two characters really well. I can agree. So, Tony, anything else you had in mind? Yes. Um, so the entirety of the Brothers War set was revealed. And we covered, for the most part, everything that's been important. But uh, we might have missed a few uh, during the last podcast. But what I really want to cover is like the best of the rest in terms of commons and uncommons we didn't cover. Because I saw a common that really shocked me at how strong it is. And uh, 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 there's a thread about it, but it's a stupid card. So... Uh... The card is called Recommission. One in a white, sorcery, return target artifact or creature card with mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. If a creature enters the battlefield this way, it enters with an additional plus one plus one counter on it. First off, it's, it's basically like a better on earth than white. Two mana, two, two mana on Earth. Yeah. Two mana on Earth in white is mm. severely, severely, like on, 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 like. I, I, I feel like this card is a lot stronger than what people. You could, you could almost say that it's a better persist up to a certain degree. Up to a certain degree, persist just is any non-legendary creature, but for the most mm. part, yeah. Uh, a lot of the valuable creatures are three mana or less in like higher powered settings yeah and so, be, being able to have the option of artifacts or creatures i think is really good especially in that range because you know if uh if just me thinking off the top of my head the kind of decks that i play in white like you know i'll play stacks and if you get rid of my winter orb or of my like stasis orb i'll just bring it back with that you know what i mean yeah, it, it can re it can really bring back some really impactful pieces, and especially in white, like you said, it's just in white is really it's really strong. I also really like the other card. I forgot the name right now, but the one that's essentially a combination of silence and rest in peace. Uh, I like to call it rest in silence. <laughs> <laughs> the card uh, makes it so that your opponent can't keep, can't keep casting spells in his turn, but also I think exiles their graveyard. Or can't target cards in the graveyard. I gotta, I gotta double check like the effect once more. But I just know that I instantly saw it, and I'm like, I gotta get my hands on it. Like that's insane. Oh, There's one card. Another card I was uh, interested in is Symmetry Matrix. Four mana artifact. Whenever a creature with power equal to its toughness enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay one. If you do, you draw a card. I play a creature, I pay one, I draw a card. As long as their power and toughness are equal. For mono white, maybe even mono green, uh, mono red, this is stupid. And uh, I'm very much interested if this card actually sees, you know, some amount of play. Uh, another card is Defabricate. 
one on a blue for an instant and you choose one. Counter target artifact or enchantment spell. If a spell is countered this way, exile it instead of putting it into your owner into its owner's graveyard. Or counter target activated or triggered ability. This one hurts. This one to me is amazing. I I absolutely love this card. I mean, really good counter spell. It's uncommon. You you um, remember it's, you're... it's almost better than uh, I wouldn't say necessarily better, but definitely like a really good tool when compared to something like um, oh what's it called the uh, the one that also like it counters legendaries and uh, and tails end ability. tails end. I think yes. it's a it's it's a tool that's along those lines, but the fact that it can counter artifact or enchantment spells is pretty good in my opinion, and then just exiles them too. So I don't know, this is really good to me. Do you remember the last time you stifled Osgir's trigger? Oh yeah. <laughs> remember dying the next turn <laughs> or two turns later because I was really mad. I was yep. like, yeah, you're you're dead. You're dead. You just you just. <laughs> Moving on! <laughs> hey, I think these are just cards I, 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 I personally liked, but it's like they're not... Actually, one of them is actually uh, interesting for... To oh, discuss. here it is, the one so, I was talking about earlier, Calamity's Wake. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but here we go. Exile all yeah. graveyards. Players can't cast non-creature spells this turn. Exile Calamity's Wake. It's almost a shame that this thing gets exiled, but... Oh man, like do something like put it back in your hand with Narset Traversal and watch everyone just like cry knowing that their non-creature spells are going to be worth crap next turn. Oh, this is great, man. <laughs> so, another card I'm interested in is Combat Courier. It's a common. It's a 1-mana one 1-1. One, one. You pay 2-mana to sacrifice the Courier and draw a card. And it has Unearth for 1 blue. Do you think this is strong enough for Ashnod? combat courier let me let me like take oh, a good look it's at a it. one mana one one that you can pay two mana to sacrifice it and draw a card and it has mm. unearth so you can do it again yeah you can have it lay in your graveyard unearth it draw two cards that's for three mana i definitely don't think it's, it's, it's gonna be bad in ashnod uh, the, not... fact, the fact that you get to, to to draw uh two cards off of two mana like it's well, I mean, technically three mana but I think it's still pretty good. There's no, like, usually when you pay three cards to draw two cards, you have to, like, discard a card or something. Um, so I think this is, this is pretty, pretty solid in general. And then if you do it with jumping through hoops to, like, Jumping through hoops to do a divination is sound, sound not that good, but... It doesn't, it doesn't sound that good, but at the end of the day, you're still getting, like, value from stuff that you've already used, essentially. It's, yeah, it's one card for four. Sorry, it's one card, and it, and it nets me four cards if I have an Ash Knot out. Exactly. And even even without having the Ash Knot out, just having a creature on the battlefield that you can sack to draw a card, I think, is more impactful than people, like, initially think. Yes. Because, for example, you have like a lot of those artifacts that come down for two, and when they when you when they either uh, when you sacrifice it or whatever, you can I forget the name of the card. You use it a lot in Osgir too. Yeah, um, Ikuel Spring, draw a card. Yeah, exactly. And choose draw a card when it leaves draw cards. There's one in in the Mishra deck. Yeah, uh, exactly. Speaking of impactful moments and of uh, and of Ashnod, uh, the next card is basically the turn the turn uh, the, the turning event of the war. Hmm. Uh, uh, I found this card interesting. <laughs> it's Ashnod's Intervention. 
It's one black for an instant. Until end of turn, target creature gets plus two plus zero and gains when this creature dies or is put into exile from the battlefield, return it to its owner's hand. Now, the the the, the flavor text is listen, duck. Gix is everywhere, playing every side. Mishra won't listen, but perhaps Urza will. The moment uh, Ashnod liberates Thanos. Also, yes, she calls Thanos Duck, because she's like weirdly infatuated with him. It's kind of cute, not gonna lie. Except when you, when you realize he tort she she tortures him. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a toxic relationship, but you know. It'll be mine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like that, that that one like 4chan meme just be like god I wish that were me uh, and, uh, next card is gurgling anointer uh, gurgling anointer is 2 and a black for a 1-3 flyer that's why it interested me for at first it's a, it's a 3 mana 1-3 flyer which uh, with 2 upsides it's a Phyrexian horror whenever you draw your second card each turn put a plus 1 counter on a gurgling anointer Whenever Gurgling Anointer dies, return target creature card with mana value less than or equal to Gurgling Anointer's power from the graveyard to the battlefield. I, there's another card in this set that does this exact same thing. This will be a, a, an, an archetype for a black in, in the pre-release, easily. A one a one three flyer that thumps itself just for drawing cards, I think. Yeah. And, and, and reanimate something. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's actually really fun to put in the deck like Tabarax, to be honest. Really fun, especially since like, you can just kind of like sack Shadow Moon Apostles to be able to draw cards off of them. Now that looks pretty interesting. Speaking <laughs> of pre-release meta, uh, I think this is actually a card that we'll see play in Standard. Uh, the Anointer or the one that you're going to mention no, next? Yeah, the ne uh, this next card. Mis Misery's Shadow. It's one and a black for a creature shade. If a creature an opponent controls would die, exile it instead. It's a 2-2 and it has the ability to pay one mana and it gets plus one plus one until end of turn. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I remember seeing someone talk about this as being a really good example of power creep. Yeah. Um, I forgot the name of uh, the original. There, there's the another card that there's another the card, card that does this exact thing. It's double black, and and the ability is one black to activate, and it gets plus one plus one. Yeah, and it's a two and, and, instead, and, and, of, uh, instead of a two two. Yeah, and it dominated standard when I was uh, out. Uh, so maybe this will do stuff in like mono black aggro, which this side has bring, it brought a lot of like red black mono black type stuff. For ag for aggressive uh, beatdown, so yeah, and I'm really excited for that. I, I like that, that, and I've noticed that a lot of cards in the set uh, like deal a lot with graveyards, whether it's bringing stuff back or exiling graveyards or making sure that your opponent doesn't get stuff in their graveyard. So I'd be really excited to actually see a lot more like graveyard focused decks because uh, right now there's a lot of domination from. Uh, like why going wide like creature strategies like mono white aggro is insane uh mono black aggro is just you know along the same lines and there's a lot of removal for uh like a lot there's just like a lot of spot removal that's moving around 
and I think that being able to like you know exile stuff will definitely to a certain degree affect a lot of some of the mono black strategies that we have uh, that are currently running around in Sandy. But at the same time, we there's also like a lot of like value creatures, I guess, in black that are uh, that'll definitely benefit, especially from stuff like Wizard Shadow. So who knows? I don't know. I'm actually kind of excited to see how standard changes with the set. I think it is gonna be somewhat impactful. Yeah. And the last card, which is also an, uh, a card that I just realized is it is not a creature. It is Mishra's Research Dusk. So it's an artifact, and you can pay one mana to tap it and sacrifice Mishra's Research Dusk. You exile the top two cards of your library, choose one of them until end of turn. You uh, until your end of your next turn, you may play those uh, that card. I uh, I find this interesting because it has unearth. A non-creature card that has on Earth. I actually did not expect that. Just straight up, I just didn't expect a non-creature card to have on Earth. Basically, yeah. That's and that's a mess of a desk. Yeah. <laughs> hey man, Mishra is here to kick ass and take names. You know, like, I, I don't expect him to have a nice desk. He is he is most definitely the ADHD kid in between the two. <laughs> and and that sounds like a joke, but actually Mishra and his youth tend to tended to be very impulsive and when he grows up, he still has a lot of that impulsive impulsiveness because he tends to be really emotional and easily goaded by his brother Urza because Urza always has like this high and mighty like uh very I'm better than you stance. Exactly. He, he always seems like really cool, calm, and collected, and always just sure of like how much better arrogant. he is than Mishra. Yeah, super arrogant. And then like Mishra is just this really like ADHD kid who's just kind of like, you know what? I'll 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 like you. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Again, just going back to the theme of being able to like exile stuff from the top of your library to play them in like red. I think is a really cool thing that uh, that Wizards has been doing recently with Red. Just giving it card advantage that way, even if it isn't like direct like looting or card draw. I don't know. I think it's I think it's something that definitely has set Red apart uh, in terms of card advantage from uh, from the other colors. I don't know. It just it just uh, I just find it really cool. That's that's pretty much it. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Uh... For the most part, I think those are all my like best of the rest uh, at first glance. Uh, I'm just for the set. What are you excited for the set? Honestly, I haven't like other than what what I've what I've already mentioned, like the calamities wake and the calamities wake and the defabricate. Off the top of my head, I guess Urza, man. I just really want to want to get my hands on all those Urza cards, like the Uncommon Urza and even the Uncommon Mishra too. Um, I am not super into this set in the sense that um, I would like to get a box of the set because of the theme of the set, not because I find it to be like you know super amazing or anything, even though I like it. 
Like I, I like it, but there's nothing about it that to me just screams like, you know, buy get boxes it. and boxes get and this, Get this, yeah. Mm -hmm. I find that this set will sell, sell a lot just because of the uh, the retro the frame, theme. the retro frame artifacts. And the theme, itself, just the, theme is, the theme is also very, very good. And well, uh, for the most part, I'm just ex I'm really excited for one Queen Kayla Bin Krug, one of the first cards ever uh, ever uh, spoiled. Ooh. Actually, um, before in before we jump over to Kayla, since I don't have her on screen at the time being. What do you think of Gix, actually? He's the resident mono black player. Really? Gix strong. He's really strong? Yes. He's uh, He can helm uh, uh, um, uh, a mono black deck very easily. He can what? Like, you can run him as the commander. Mm -hmm. And you can just use a lot of uh, uh, Low as I low drop evasive creatures to gain you card advantage while also pressuring your opponent's life totals and get to that juicy ability. And just you're in mono black, getting to seven mana is not hard. There's mm -hmm. rituals, all the good lands, cabal coffers, like even, even like the staple oh, artifact ramp like, will get you, will get you there, you know? Yeah, like he is good, he is mono black Edric. I'm not a huge fan of his last ability, though. I like it in terms of, like, you know, I, I just like the whole concept of essentially stealing stuff from your opponents like that. But I don't know. I mean, you see, I ra I'd rather kind of draw half my deck for seven mana, you know what I mean? Yes, but also, depending on how strong your opponent's decks are, uh, getting cards for free is a lot. It's like, it's really good. So, the reason I, I like him a lot more uh, than probably you do is because uh, he lets you play all the cards. <laughs> you just yeah. play them whenever. You don't have to play them immediately. Yeah. Uh, I played. You remember I had a Lonnie Cryptozoologist deck. It was a blue-green blue deck that messed around with the opponent's top uh, top of the deck. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason I did not enjoy that deck as much is because. If he would have said, "Tap sacrifice X clues and look at the top of uh, uh, library uh, top cards of your library," you could add a lot of top deck manipulation. But since I had to choose one card from my opponent's side, it always felt bad when I had multiple good options, but I either didn't sacrifice enough clues, or I didn't, uh, or, or I could only choose one of them. Geeks gets around that in in the way that he can just get all the cards he doesn't care about how many, how many cards you get all of them mm -hmm. so that's why i like him a lot more understandable so one of the things i am excited in this setup uh, for um is definitely diabolic intent as a reprint yes yes like having 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 another accessible mono black tutor i don't Excellent. have uh, I, I i i missed my chance to get a demonic tutor so I, I'm, I'm not going to miss my chance to get this, and this is printed at rare, so I'm most definitely getting myself a copy, if not a playset. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, so another, I'll, another card that was oh, yeah. oh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, so Queen Kayla Bing Krug. Someone got to look for her directly. She's a, she's a, uh, one white and red. She's a 2-3. 
and uh, I, the, the, I I'm gonna get the 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 bundle to get her the one of uh, one of her the, the alternate art of her is the bundle card. Gotcha. Uh, so uh, you can pay four mana, tap tap her, discard your hand, and draw that many cards. Then for each card discarded this way, you choose an artifact or creature, cost one, and do the same for two and three, and put them into play. That's going in Oz gear because one, it's a wheel; two, it's her reanimation; three, she looks cool; four, it's a tap. Actually, one, it's a wheel, which Oz gear loves. Two, it's reanimation. Osgir loves. Three, it's a tap ability, which Osgir actually cares about because I can I have a lot of untappers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Being able to do this multiple times a turn will be a goal. Definitely, I think I think it's freaking great. And I, I, like you say, it's gonna be a goal, but honestly, in your Osgir deck, I don't think that's gonna be like much of an effort at all. <laughs> the detail being, uh, uh, I. I've been playing a lot more with Osgear recently, and he's just explosive. The, re- mm-hmm. the, the reality of it is that Osgear, my deck is not as strong as uh, a lot of people see it to be. He is just explosive. So uh, I can do a lot of stuff out of nowhere, but then I'm still not doing much to affect you guys. So it's, it's, gotcha. it's whatever. Uh, I do want the other the Ash- Ashnod Flush Mechanist. I just want her to stay in my binder forever and just stay there. Never be played. Never. No. No. Nope. She. She. She can look at her uh, at her other version from uh, uh, being being played from my binder. Also, I did kind of want to go over uh, Soul Partition. I think you did mention it because uh, last time we went over all of like the rares in the set. Yes. But. The the more I look at this card, the more I feel a little bit conflicted about it because. At the end of the day, it's essentially a white bounce spell for your, for your opponent. But I do realize that at higher levels of play, this is actually a really good card. You essentially just stop someone from you can stop someone from comboing off while you get to like you know prepare for like you're like in the next turn be able to win or something. So I don't know. I think this like it's something that is gonna see some play in CDH. Maybe not. Like, I, don't, I don't think it'll see play in CDH. Really? Uh, it's uh, it's exile target non-land permanent, right? So it removes every it removes anything. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't like exile like any spells or anything, but it does exile like a permanent outright. You know, and it still uh, makes it so that uh, it costs two like two more to cast. And what I do think is cool about that is that. A lot of CDH decks, if you're not playing something like green or something that's generating a lot of treasures, like a Dockside Extortionist, um, like this, 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 this can cripple somebody's play because there's a lot of a lot of decks that I've noticed that tend to be really mana intensive in CDH. So like you're kind of playing like with exactly the mana you need to combo off, and then after that, all you got is free spells. That is how you keep interacting after you know you tap yourself out. Maybe I'm biased because I play a, a very mana, uh, a ma- very, very much a mana generating deck yeah. in Kaikar. So I never have, I always have uh, too much mana. Exactly. Not enough to do with it. But for example, if I'm playing something like uh, like Gale, which I actually built recently, 
Gale Waterdeep Prodigy, or basically any deck that runs Thoracle combo that doesn't include green, like let's say Thrasters and Thimna, you are going to be like strapped for mana, and you are going to have exactly the mana you need to combo off. Yeah. So I think that Soul Partition, again, it's not necessarily going to work against every deck, but I think it's definitely like worth running in, in certain levels of play. And in like in more um, like more ca the more casual the format gets, at least in my very humble opinion, uh, the less use I see for soul partition though. Yeah. Because you're just you know at at the end of the day, what are you gonna do? Oh, exile the super huge beater that someone's coming to your face at with? Cool. They're just gonna like probably cast it next turn anyways. Or, you know, if they're like a super tinny deck, they're probably just going to cast it out, right? Oh, we got a comment over here from Mecha Geek PR. What's up, my dude? Hello, hello, hello. Glad to have you join us for the show, man. Look, any, any other card you're you're particularly interested in? At least for the time being, nothing that comes to the top of my head that we haven't already really mentioned. Of course, there's Urza, there's the, uh, the four mana Grand Abolisher, everyone... Like, I've seen a lot of opinions on social media that they're, like, super happy that this wasn't a two-mana two, uh, yeah. two mana, two mana cost. Um, Liberator Urza's Battle Popter, I think it's cool because it's essentially a better, uh, like... Shimmer Mirror. Shimmer Mirror, exactly. Shim is it Mirror or Mirror? I like calling it Mirror because then when you say Mirror, it's, it's Shimmer Mirror. It sounds funny. I, I enjoy it. <laughs> I've said Mirror token. <laughs> Oh, yeah. look at that. Somebody else popped up. Ananda, hey. what's up, my dude? I'm so glad you get to join us. We haven't seen you in so long. Oh, man. Unfortunately, y'all came in right when we were, like, about to wrap this whole thing up, I do gotta say. But... Yes. But just, just go... Just, you know, just let's just scroll through some of these cards, see what we're getting. Um, we're getting the other cycle of Painlands, which I think is freaking fantastic. Um... The, both of the Titanias are freaking amazing. There's two Titanias, right? Because there's like this, there's like this one, and there's like another uh, one. Like a... Yes, yes. Um, shout out to my boy, to my boy, almost. Uh, what's it called? I, I freaking have the, the card image in my head, but I forgot the name of the. the uh, shout out to my to uh, Wormcoil Engine's cousin over here, Phyrexian Flesh Forger. I hope that sees some play in Standard, just because having something reminiscent of. Uh, of like you know some of the stuff we've seen before in modern is always it's always like a cool little throwback that you get to see while you're playing. Um, definitely, there's nobody sleeping on Teferi Temporal Pilgrim. Um, all of the Urzas are amazing, so that's just another reminder. Just get your hands on all the Urzas and all the Mishras. They're all freaking amazing. I don't know. I don't know. There's not there's not a lot of things that I can that I can uh, bring off the top of my head because again, I'm we've excited. Covered we've covered most of them, and again, I'm not exactly excited for like all of the tools the set is really bringing into the table i think there's going to be some really cool stuff um like for standard but at least for commander like yeah, there's some fun stuff going on fortified beachhead being being another cool thing that's going to be popping up around their full soldier deck and i'm then over here which says technically i saw jp, uh, JP last week well you know what i didn't see jp last week so so screw you and I love you. And I hope I get to see you and see you soon, my dude. But I think that would be all for tonight. 
there's uh, hopefully some really stuff, uh, some really fun stuff that uh, more news that we're getting tomorrow because that usually is the way it happens <laughs> every time we do, we make an episode of the podcast. Um. I got lost in my brain for a second, but I think it's it's also very important to mention, guys. I hope that everyone that's here, so that includes Arnaldo, Mecca Geek, and anyone that's going to be listening to this podcast, to join us on November 16th, because we're going to have the amazing Lua Stardust join us for some fun Commander Knights gameplay for a magnificent free for all. <laughs> And, and don't forget, we have a, we have a store. We have merch. We have amazing shirts that are made by our amazing friend and co-host John Ramos. Um, we have here the biggest example here being the only lands revolutionizing your Mulligan. It helps us out. It helps us out a lot here over here at the Cardboard Cave Podcast, so we can keep making more and better content each and every single day for all of you guys. And at least for now, I think that's all. I think that I think that's it. So we'll uh, we'll start wrapping this up. JP, you got any you got any additional words for the you got any additional words for the uh, for the viewers and listeners of the podcast? Uh, check us out in Ultra Sleeves. Use our affiliate link and uh, the promo code uh, Cardboard Cave MTG, and uh, you can pimp out your cards. Uh, yeah, my dude. And as always, remember you can find both Orengo and John and all of their the rest of their amazing podcasts. You can find them over in the Movie Guy. You can find them over in Subtitles Required. You can find uh, where else can you find Orengo? You can find them on Google, which is like you know the biggest highlight. But where else? <laughs> Fifteen at Richport. Cinemas Podcast, his his own personal uh, podcast. You can find JP and I here in the Cardboard Cave podcast. You can sometimes find me on my Twitch doing some fun stuff over at Crisscross13. And as always, just just join us next time. It'll be fun. I promise. Interact with us on our social media. And if you ever want to come along and join us for a Commander Night, just shoot us a message and we can all play together. <laughs> I hope everyone has an awesome rest of your night and we'll uh, we'll see you all in the next one. Remember to follow, like, subscribe to be notified, and as well listen to us on all major audio platforms. Thanks for joining.